Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to thank them right now. First, we want to thank our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where teams communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is an old friend, Jamie Sheets. He's a certified master athletic administrator, and he's the athletic and activities director at Park City High School in Park City, Utah. Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jake. Great to be with you. Uh, Looking forward to to chatting with you. Well, thanks again for being on. Uh, As you know, this is a busy time for athletic directors, so we're going to jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and maybe how you got that first teaching and coaching job. Yeah, I was born in Pennsylvania, actually on the East Coast, and and wound up out in Utah. Family had moved out uh, when I was younger, so pretty much consider myself a Utahan. Uh, went to high school out here, um, you know, participated in sports like everybody else in youth sports and in high school and then uh, decided it was, uh, you know, at the end of high school decided it was time to leave the state for a while. And so wound up at the University of Michigan um, oh, wow. for four years there, did a degree in kinesiology there. Um, also was a student athletic trainer, worked with football uh, there for, for a year, worked with track um, for a year as well. And so kind of thought that that's the direction I was headed, um, was kind of interested in some strength and conditioning stuff too, but then was kind of interested in coaching. So as I got to the end, uh, as I was approaching the degree there, I decided, you know, I needed to do a master's degree. Uh, so I wound up at uh, Miami University in Ohio, they had uh, one of the top um, sport behavior and performance or sports psychology programs in the country. Uh, they, I believe they still do. So I kind of shifted gears a little bit. I uh, wanted to go into, you know, some, some of the, the mental aspects of it into that sports psych part. So um, started coaching baseball uh, while I was, was in Ohio, in Southwest Ohio, just south of Dayton there for a couple of years while I was working on, Um, that master's degree and had some great experiences there and my best friend from Utah was actually in Springfield Missouri Uh, he had some family there and he had bought a house and kind of moved there and I had a summer free and so I called and said hey why don't you 
give me, this was before a lot of email and internet and, and connectivity. So I said, why don't you get me in touch with some people down there that I could talk to about coaching baseball during the summer. Cause I didn't have anything lined up for the summer. So he did. Um, and I wound up uh, getting in touch with some folks at Park View High School in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, went and said, I'll just come down for the summer and stay there. So I went and started coaching just some summer ball with some, I think they were freshmen, freshman kids, eighth grade kids uh, that summer. I liked Springfield, Missouri so much that I just stayed. Uh, so I wound up kind of starting to put some roots in there. Uh, joined on with Parkview High School. Um, I did the in-school suspension <laughs> as, a, as a great way to start. And I, I didn't have a teaching certificate at the time. And so I, I, was, I was doing in-school suspension, coaching, you know, sub-varsity baseball there. Uh, I was enjoying it. Wasn't making any money, but was enjoying it. And uh, decided that, that I needed to branch out a little bit. Got in touch with a gentleman. Uh, that became pretty much my main mentor throughout my, my coaching days, which was uh, a gentleman by the name of Dick Birmingham, who was a um, member of about seven halls of fame as a baseball coach, was a, was a high school coach at Hillcrest High School in Missouri for a long time, and then did some uh, U.S. baseball stuff and just a, just a great person to be mentored by. And uh, started doing some stuff with uh, Coach Birmingham, wound up doing camps and clinics uh, all across the country for a few years, working with him, and then decided it was time, that was about three years worth, and then decided it was time to uh, kind of jump back in um, to, the, to the team thing and um, had, had gotten connected with Keith Gutton, who was at Southwest Missouri State at the time, which is now Missouri State University. Um, he's the head baseball coach there still. And uh, just said, hey, what opportunities do you have? I'm looking to kind of up my game a little bit. And wound up joining on with him and coaching at Missouri State for a total of five years. That was three years on the first go around uh, and then jumped from there over to high school for a while um, and coached. So I think I got into the field probably like everybody else did, did a lot of coaching, um, a lot of stuff in between, worked for free a lot, it seems like. And, um, but because of the nature of, of, of doing the coaching and, and while I was coaching was doing a lot of, I would call it AD stuff already as I was mm -hmm. coaching. I mean, I was kind of one of those coaches that was taking responsibility for certain things that I know a lot of coaches these days don't want to, they just want to coach. Um, the admin side of it didn't bother me very much, you know, putting the stuff together. And then a little bit of the business side of it from having done all the camps and clinics across the country and then um, being a part owner of a, you know, facility, uh, three facilities as well, you know, kind of gave me that background enough to where, you know, I'm already doing this AD stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, trampoline from the baseball coaching um, uh, into the AD realm. Yeah, I, I didn't know you had that Missouri connection. Uh, I was actually uh, at Missouri Valley College back in the 90s uh, teaching and coaching. And so I know that Springfield area a little bit. We'll talk about how did that work going from, you know, college baseball, high school baseball, in-school suspension. Uh, how did that work into your present job at Park City as the AD? So I would, uh, I went from teaching, coaching, uh, doing some 
club ball high school stuff at the same time, just kind of the way you get into coaching. Um, and had gotten back to Missouri State again and was coaching there uh, and doing some adjunct teaching uh, at, the, at the university. I, I'd served as a GA my first stint back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And this was 2013. Um, had joined on and as coach of the Moorhead City Marlins in the Coastal Plain League in the Summer Collegiate League uh, down in Moorhead City, North Carolina. And my best friend, who I was talking about, you know, from Springfield, Missouri, had moved back to Utah, and he was up in the Park City area, just outside of Park City, and he'd sent me a note saying, hey, and he knew I was trying to get back. I was trying to get back to Utah because I, I missed being in the mountains. I just, I missed the geography. I missed the climate. And um, he, he had sent me a note saying, hey, their AD has retired. So if you're interested, uh, I was like, well, yeah. So I was trying to get stuff sent while I was in North Carolina. I was trying to get stuff sent back. And I think I probably submitted an incomplete application. Uh, I can't remember exactly what I had with me and what I was able to put together. Uh, There's a gentleman named uh, Aaron Alford who had coached college football for a while, um, had settled in uh, Park City with his family and was doing some things. And they had actually hired Aaron um, as the AD. And he was on the job for, I believe, a few days he was headed to the district office to turn some paperwork in. And unfortunately um, he had a heart attack on the stairs, uh, the steps going up to the district office and, and passed away. So it was a, a very unfortunate story. Um, we still have two of his children here. Uh, they play football. They're great athletes and great kids. Um, and so uh, uh, with those circumstances, the job came back open. The principal at the time, um, Bob O'Connor, had called me and I'd, I'd been back from North Carolina, I'd been back in Missouri, oh, for about a week or two because I was at practice at Missouri State when, when Bob had called me. And I knew about Aaron, I knew that it had happened and it was unfortunate and, and Bob said, are you still interested in the job? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And so I interviewed, I think, oh boy, it might've been two days later or three days later, um, I interviewed over the phone um, with a committee of about 20 people that were sitting around a table with me on a conference call and, you know, got done with the interview and he said, okay, well, you know, we'll call you back, let you know. And I thought, okay, I think it went okay. Um, we'll see. Um, I thought, I thought I said, you know, most of the right things that I believe and, and think that are good things. And um, he called me back in about half an hour later and said, when can you be here? Um, you know, it was a unanimous decision. When can you be here? And I said, I'll be there. And I think, I think this might've been, September 8th or 9th or something like that. And I said, I'll be there on the 16th, ready to work, which was a Monday. And so uh, in a few days, I had everything packed up in the car as much as I could get. Uh, my wife stayed back in Missouri as we were getting our house ready to get sold. And uh, our youngest son was still uh, in college at Drury University there in Springfield playing baseball. And so I packed up, drove out. Um, I think I got here on the 13th and started work on the 16th. And, you know, it's kind of, been been a roller coaster and fun ride ever since and uh but it you know what i always once the job got going it was kind of weird i didn't have a ton of because they were already a three weeks into school i mean we'd already played three football games by the time i got here so it was learning on the job it was here's the keys you know go for it so i, I was learning as i was going on some things you know there's a lot of stuff i had ideas on but some other things that we, they just did differently here. Um, had a lot of help, but it was a lot of fun uh, getting to, to learn and know and do stuff. But I'd realized 
pretty much the whole time I was coaching, I was doing AD stuff. And so it wasn't that big of an adjustment for me. I know a lot of people say, you know, becoming an AD is just such a different world. Um, for me, I just, I, I wasn't coaching the kids every day. So I did miss that, but I was still coaching. I mean, it's like you always say, coaching the coaches, it's, it, it just, it just shifted personnel a little bit, but uh, I was, I was always doing AD stuff. It seems like, so it, it was, it was an easy transition. That's um, uh, interesting start to your, um, to your, to your school year. I'm curious, what were some of the things that you uh, intentionally did to, you know, immerse yourself into the culture of the school, you know, to get to know the coaches, to allow them to get to know you. That's so critical. And, you know, you didn't have a summer to do that and set up meetings and things like that. So what were some of the things you did to uh, uh, sort of get yourself uh, immersed in the culture? So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I did not want to come in as a, uh, a powerful personality and, and kind of push my way in. And so I deliberately and intentionally didn't do anything. Um, I, I did the work that needed to be done, the physical part of it, and, you know, took care of paperwork and everything else. But from a coaching standpoint, I didn't, I didn't meet with them and say, this is the way I want things done. I did a lot of absorbing. Um, I was just a sponge. I just took it in. I got to know people, got to see how they were doing things, you know, certain coaches. And I, I just, it was a do no harm. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to change. I didn't want them to feel like I was changing things to be resistant. I wanted to actually, you know, get a feel for the environment first before we did anything. So I, I just tried to get to know everybody, tried to get to know the kids, tried to get to know the people and just say, look, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you how to do anything. I'm not going to change anything. As long as we're not doing anything egregious, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm here supporting you and I'm going to learn from you. And, you know, it was a lot of that. And I'm glad I did because I, I got some really good coaches that, didn't need a lot of, didn't need a lot of help. And for me to come in and start telling them what to do. And they've been here for 20 years and been very successful and had great relationships with the kids and with the parents. I mean, that would have been a disservice and it, it probably would have sank the ship, you know, pretty quick. So, you know, I, I purposely just observed and waited and, you know, I made notes, you know, these are the things that I think that we could probably get better at or improve upon or change. Um, and then just slowly, as, as the year went along, started incorporating those things, or, you know, as we got into year two or three, um, you know, started making some of those changes, but we had a pretty good thing going um, when I got here. The, the AD that had retired um, left me in a pretty good situation. We, they had won the, what was called the Director's Cup, you know, the year before, so it was kind of big shoes to fill. I mean, it was, we've got a pretty good uh, group of kids and families here at the school, so uh, I inherited inherited a pretty good situation. As uh, almost identical to, you know, my situation at McClay, I came in, they had won the state cup and uh, again, had some great coaches. And uh, I don't know why I did it, but I just remember, and I had that summer to get to know them. Uh, I just had every coach come in and just said, and I said, how can I make your job more fun? You know, what can I do for you? Uh, because we had state champion coaches and things like that. So um, I'm not, saying it was my stroke of genius, it just, uh, it happened to, to work yeah, out that way. I think so. you're exactly right, Jake, is that it, it, it's more of a, and I think I said that a few times, is how can I help you? What, mm -hmm. what can I do for you? What, and, you know, I've said that to this day, even I, I tell the coaches, like, it's not my job to do your job for you, but it is my job to try to make your job easier. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do as the AD to make it easier on you or more efficient? I'm not going to do your job for you, 
but my role is to try to make your job easier so that you can take care of our kids better. Absolutely. Early on, you mentioned um, one of your mentors, and I'm always curious, um, you know, share uh, some of your other mentors, either, um, you know, coaches you had growing up or, you know, different people that you worked for. Um, whose voice can you still hear each day as you go to work and, and you talk to your kids and your coaches? Yeah, you know, there's so many. I've been so fortunate to be around so many people that, you know, obviously you got to put the work in. I mean, you can't just be around good people and, and it just it automatically happens. You still got to work. And I, I've been around, fortunate to have been around so many good people. Um, you know, from the baseball world, obviously Dick Birmingham, you know, sticks out because I was with uh, Dick for such a long time. And he, he just was filled with so much wisdom. Um, from, from all kinds of different parts in terms of kids and people and just, uh, you know, he passed away in, in spring of 2014 and it, it doesn't, hardly ever a day goes by where I, I'm not thinking about something that he had said or an impact. You know, of course, Keith Gutton, who was in his 38th year at Missouri State, um, same way, uh, being around Keith and seeing how he's, he's done things and the longevity and how he treats people, just such an impact. And I, I was, I mean, even when I was on year five with Missouri State, I was, <laughs> I was on a staff that had been together for, I think, 28 years between him, Paul Evans, and Brent Thomas. It had been the staff in Division One baseball that had been together the longest. And here I am on year five um, with them. But I'd known him for, for longer, even though it was my fifth year with them. Um, I'd known everybody for about 15. And I mean, I couldn't ask to be around a better group of people um, that just, whether it was the baseball side of it or just the human side of it were, were fantastic. Um, you know, th those, those two individuals had such a, a huge impact. There's a gentleman um, that passed away um, a couple years before Dick did named Jay Ward. Um, Jay was a, a former major league player former major or major league manager coach um, did a lot in the minor leagues and was down in Florida when I'd come down we used to do a camp down in St. Augustine over the winter at Flagler and so I'd go down there every winter and, and Jay was living in Tampa and he had uh, they had a hitting school there he had a hitting school with Gary Denbo um, who's also a hitting coach in the in the big leagues now and I learned a lot from Jay about hitting obviously and I think still think he's one of the greatest hitting coaches that ever lived but the conversations I was able to have with him as I got to know him for um, almost 20 years had to do so much with managing and dealing with people. And I don't want to use the term managing. I, I, I should use the term leading um, because he would tell such great stories about when he was a minor league manager. And, you know, their job is to get guys ready to, to go to the next level and how you're dealing with them and how you're <clears throat> teaching guys like, the way you dress is important. You know, the way you look is important, the way you act. And just to hear some of those stories is just phenomenal. And the way he went about his business um, on, on a daily basis, just learned so much from, from those folks. And the countless others that I've, you know, had the opportunity to be around, whether it's the Utah leadership like Hutch and Rich and, you know, the, the eight years I've gotten to know them and, and learned so much from, from those guys about, again, it's not just the AD side of it, it's the, you know, how you treat people um, have been so, so important to me. Um, and always, it always inspires me and reminds me of, you know, 
when we go about our daily business, what's important. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've all got that story. We've all, we, none of us get into this field, whether it's coaching or ADing, without a teacher or another coach or somebody that just inspired you to, to say, I want to be like that person, you know, and that, that reminds me of somebody we're connected with, like Daryl Nance. I mean, Daryl, I, I, I knew Daryl before we did the cohort and Daryl was one of those people that I looked at. I was like, I want to be like that guy. I mean, I, I, I like the stuff that he does and just the things he said. It's like, man, that, you know, it, it, it's just, uh, that's what I love about our group too. I, I get inspired so much. We just had the state coordinators uh, meeting and, and just being around our group of people. Um, I, I mean, I consider every single one of our fellow ADs to be a mentor for me every day. So um, yeah, I just, I, I have a good time with everybody. I learned something from everybody. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that. Again, it's always great to hear the stories of uh, the mentors in someone else's life. Um, you mentioned NIAAA, and you and I have gotten to know each other uh, through our national organization, which is one of the great things about it, is uh, the relationships and the contacts, the networking that uh, is created. Um, you know, I, I first uh, uh, got to know you uh, through your CMAA project, which I want you to talk about here in a minute and also through the cohort that you mentioned. Um, and I think it's important for our younger uh, listeners to kind of hear about the journey, uh, getting involved first at the state level, and then hopefully, you know, we encourage them to get involved at the national level. So take us through that journey, uh, how you got involved and, and how that progressed to um, your CMAA, and then how that progressed to the uh, cohort. Okay. I don't know if we have enough time for all this because this, 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 I could talk about this stuff all day because this is, this is the fun stuff. Um, let me first start by saying, you know, this as well. And everybody that that'll be watching will know it as well too, is, is the NIAAA is the finest, greatest professional organization on the planet. I will just say that. I just, I can't imagine another professional organization that's even close to this group of people. Um, it's just, it, it's amazing every day. So fortunate to be part of it and, and to have been involved in it. I just, I love the people. I love the people that are involved in it. And it's so much different than when you were coaching and I'll, I'll get into that kind of how I wound up where I'm at with, with the coaching stuff. But, you know, you got the coaching associations and, you know, we've all been part of those and gone to those, but you're competing against those people. So there is a little bit of, you know, I don't know what to call it, but you know, you're going to be playing that person. So there is still that little competitive part of it. Not so with the ADs. I've never felt that besides the fact that you, Phil Risen, Mike Blackburn, Rich Barton, who you name anybody in this organization that wouldn't give you the shirt off their back if you needed it. And it would happen. I mean, and there's, I've never felt an ounce of competition, even against my next closest school. It's always like, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? I mean, what a fantastic organization. Okay. So that's my soapbox on that part on the NIAAA. And if, if people are listening to this that are ADs that are not members, you need to be. It's a fantastic organization. So how I got involved. So I, I you know, I had the coaching background and I've been, uh, I've been a member of the American Baseball Coach Association, the High School Baseball Coach Association, um, some of the education associations from teaching. So I, I knew I knew that part from 20 years of doing those things. I knew about you know the professional side of that um, with that. So when I when I got the job here in Park City, the first thing I knew was like, okay, what 
what's the professional associations that I'm needing to, to, to be part of now? And the UIAAA obviously is modeled after the NIAAA and just about everything we do. And so I knew, okay, it's the first thing I did, got to get signed up for both of those, right? So I got, I knew, I knew the way it worked. I knew, you know, how professional organizations from the coaching side work. So I, I joined on <clears throat> and I think I was in, it was April. We were in St. George, which is where we always have our state conference, um, usually in April. And it was my first one. I'm there, uh, just kind of taking it in, going, okay, this is great. I'm, you know, I've been to conferences before, and th this is a good one. <clears throat> and I, I need to back up a little bit, though, because I actually went, I think, to Anaheim first. I went to the National before I actually went to our state. And so it was a little interesting. And the National was fantastic. Um, it was way more than, than I was expecting. You know, I'd been to big conferences, coaching conferences and stuff like that before. So I kind of knew what the format was going to be. But again, once you start meeting the people and, and the things that everybody's willing to do for you, it was fantastic. So fast forward again, back to the state. We had just gotten done with a meeting or something. And Hutch is, for those of you who don't know Hutch, Mark Hunter, um, who is our executive director, Hutch is running around doing something. He's getting Mountain Dews or I don't know what. And I just said, how can I help? You know, I just stand there. I said, what, what do you need me to do? I'm, I'm looking to get involved. What do you need me to do? He goes, I remember this. He said, will you take this cooler to the back and fill it with ice? And I said, absolutely. So my first role for the NIAAA was taking the cooler to the back of the kitchen at the hotel and putting ice in it and getting the drinks cold for, you know, for the next session. Um, but that's, I mean, I think that kind of speaks to how we all get involved in this. It's like, mm -hmm. what do you need me to do? What, you know, that, that's just the way we've all been as servant leaders. That's kind of the way we're all wired. That's why we're doing this profession is how can I help? What do you need me to do? I'll do whatever you need. Um, and so that, that's kind of the way it started. I started doing that and just, uh, you know, throughout the rest of that conference helped out. Um, when we had our little region meeting, you know, the, it just so happened that the person that was representing the region, um, his term was up on our ADEC committee and they, any volunteers. And I didn't want to jump forward because some of the ADs had been doing it for a while. And I said, well, if nobody wants to, and nobody really wanted to, they, they knew the time commitment. I said, I'm more than happy to, to fill in. So I, I wind up doing that for a year or two. Um, the president, uh, president elect at the time was Dave Boyack from Maple Mountain. We were at the uh, convention, the national, the last two times ago when it was in National Harbor. Um, we were there and, and Dave said, I want to take you to dinner. I said, okay. So we go across the street over to the steakhouse and, and I'm sitting there with him and a gentleman named Everett Kellipolo, who is now the uh, district AD for the Nebo School District in, in Utah County. And Dave said, I want you to think about running for president, you know, because it, it was his job as the incoming president to recruit the next people to run. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be more than happy. I'd love this group. I, I think it'd be great to get involved. And, and Dave, if, if anybody has any complaints with me, they can blame it on Dave <laughs> because that's, that's kind of how I got involved. Um, so I ran that spring. Of course, that was January. Uh, excuse me, that was December. And so by January, I'd put my stuff in and, and run for the Utah. And nobody else ran. So I was kind of uh, a landslide <laughs> I, victory. I, I got the one vote I needed to, to be, be president-elect. So uh, and then it kind of I started, I just, you know, I started in, um, I think maybe it was year one or two. I told Hutch and Craig Gladwell was our LTI coordinator at the time. Um, and I said, hey, I'd, I'd love to help teach. If you guys need people, help teach. And so they're like, yeah. 
jumped in, you know, hopefully did a good job because I'm still teaching. So, uh, and it was just any opportunity. I mean, I've, I've been criticized by some of our the people in my own state of, well, you're always doing stuff. Why are you, you know, essentially favoritism or the good old boy network. And I said, it has nothing to do with that. I just showed up and I kept showing up is really what it is. Is anytime somebody needed something, I showed up and there wasn't a time where I bailed on anybody or anything else. Cause I had something else come up. I said, I made it a priority and I just keep showing up. <laughs> I'm sure people get sick, you know, sick and tired of seeing me sometimes, but that's the way it worked. And it just kept growing and growing. So from, you know, the UI AAA, the involvement just kept growing. And of course we had, Hutch, who had been um, executive director of the NEDC, um, Rich, who wound up becoming president of the NIAAA. So we, you know, we had some good people. Obviously, we got a good state that's heavily involved at the national level, but we had some good people that had, had laid some groundwork. And it was, wasn't very difficult. I kind of just rode those coattails a little bit, you know, because they, they had connections. And so I just kept getting more involved, became the assistant LTI coordinator for the state, um, you know, so started going to state coordinators, met people like you. Um, it was just everything and anything was on the strategic plan for the state, you know, chaired the next one. Um, it's just anytime there was an opportunity, I just throw my hand up. And if it's like, hey, if I'm not the right person, that's totally okay. I'm fine with that. But I, I'd love to help out. What do, you, what do you need from me? What can I do? What can I give? Um, you know, and that just kept leading one thing to another. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, it was time for the at-large to come up um, that we were part of. Uh, our, our assigned cycle to the board wasn't for another couple of years, not for another four years, I think, or two and a half. And um, we were at the section meeting. And of course, they pushed my name forward as, as somebody that, you know, they want to run. And I said, sure, why not? Um, and so last year, you know, uh, Brad ran, ran against Brad from section two and uh, wound up getting elected to the to the board and enjoyed that and i just any any time that i can help add value hopefully to it is what i'm looking forward to and, and this organization i think the the national you know the the our utah one at the state level obviously but at the national i i think adds so much value to us and the people in that office do so much for us um, on a daily basis and i just love seeing the servant leadership and the volunteerism that goes on. It's just, it's amazing is all it is. So I'm so privileged to be a part of that group. I love being part of the board. It's just, it's, it's a blast. It's such a neat group of people. And it's so, it's so, um, I, I guess I use the term privilege again to represent because it was an at-large position. I kind of represent the whole country, uh, not just Utah. So it, it is a, it, it doesn't, it's not lost on me every day when I'm at a meeting. It's like, I represent every AD in this country right now as, as a board member, not just a state or a section. So um, it, it, it's, it's neat to be able to do that. I uh, have a good time and hopefully, you know, people feel like they can always throw stuff at me if they ever have questions or concerns about the organization. Cause I, I, I want everybody to get the benefit and value out of this thing that, that I have. Oh, and again, I think the takeaway is, uh, and it's certainly been true in my career is that, um, if you wait for somebody to ask you, it might happen, but it might not. If, yeah. if you put yourself out there, literally, hey, how can I help? Or, hey, I'd be interested in teaching, or do you need somebody on this committee? They're going to say, absolutely, and you're going to be rolling. So uh, don't hesitate to, you know, just say, hey, how can I help? Uh, I want you to talk real quickly about um, how you're um, – 
CMAA uh, and cohort experience uh, got going. Uh, because again, you were, um, I want to say you were the first. Somebody was telling me that you were the second, but I, I think you were the first person to go through the uh, the oral uh, CMAA. So just talk about that real quickly and then uh, share about the, the cohort experience. I think somebody else did a pilot of, true. of it. And then I think I was the first official um, is how it wound up. So, you know, obviously after getting the CAA, that was, that was high on my priority list. And, and then, you know, once I became an athletic administrator and then looking at the CMA is like, well, I'm definitely going to do that. But I think it, for me, it was like how it was for everybody else when they looked at it, it like, holy cow, I need to do a master's level project and write it all up and put it together. When am I going to find this time? And I, I think is what it came down to. And, and probably from the people that are listening to this or, or watching it know that I'll talk for days, you know, if I'll talk about anything for days. So we were at the state coordinators meeting and it, it had come up um about the oral part of it and i thought you know this that's geared towards me and i've already got projects done it would just be putting them together and it was at that meeting <clears throat> um that i turned to hutch after the presentation of you know hey we're gonna have this oral project way to get oral presentation way to get your cma i, I remember I turned to hutch and i said hutch i can have this done in a month and i think it was because as soon as we got back um, within two weeks, I had my stuff done. I mean, I had my presentation put together because I'd already had the outline. I already had all the stuff essentially laid out for the project. So it was just going through that process. But I really, I mean, I really want to um, give kudos and recognition to the certification committee for expanding that and growing and not just saying, well, this is the way we've done things. So this way we're going to continue to do it. I mean, it's really been, I think, a boon when you look at the numbers, um, and obviously you're part of that committee, so you know, um, as to how that's impacted our growth with certification and how many people have been able to move on that, that had legitimate projects done um, to be able to move on to that next level of certification and get that CMAA. Um, what a great process. Um, I highly recommend it for anybody. In fact, you know, as, as one of the state coordinators in Utah, I'm constantly pushing our CAA saying, what do you got? What do you got? Where are you at? Where are you at? Cause I send the emails saying, Hey, it's time to move forward. Here's, here's some resources to help you out. And then when they say, Hey, I think I'm ready. I will get them in touch with the last four or five people that have done it here in the state of Utah and say, look, I can tell you what I did, but it's changed since then because it's grown. It's, it's evolved. And so whoever the most recent one is, I said, this is the person you call first and then call these other two people and ask them about the experience and ask them about their projects and they will give you some some tips trips or tips and tricks and nuggets to help you with this process um i just helped somebody in our section um you know over the last couple months um i won't say his name but he, he's, he's in our section and um he was putting a project together and i just kind of helped him along and i know you know when they send their stuff and now they get a mentor from the certification committee to help them along and i just say look Here's what I can tell you that I know. The certification committee is going to give you somebody that's going to run through your project as well. And, and we've had a lot of success with that. People have been very thankful. And in fact, it's worked out so well that when we do have people call them, they invest right back into the new person that's trying to get certified what was invested into them to help. So um, I think it's been great. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, we went from essentially one way to get your CMA to three. And <clears throat> 
I mean, I think we know all the ADs have, have put in the time and the, and the effort in these projects and everybody's got them done. It's just getting them presented to make it official. So it's been a, it's been a great process. I mean, you were on the call that I did um, that one. I think we had about 10 people on that call because it was new. So everybody was kind of getting the hang of it. And I think it was still on the, the old platform. It wasn't on zoom. It was still on that old webinar platform we were using. Um, so I, I can't, say anything but good things about that process and highly recommend it to anybody who is considering it. And it, you know, it's, it, it's nice. I'll kick anybody in the butt that needs it to say, you need to get this done, just get it done, go through it. Don't worry about it. And you know, it, it's it just, you're, you're talking about stuff you already do. It's, it's stuff that, it, that we as ADs do, we talk about this stuff. So it's, it's, um, it's, it's a great thing for the NIAAA, I think too, as well. Well, that was, that's a great uh, PSA you did. And, and again, to those of our listeners, we're not asking uh, you to go out and, and create some new magical thing. You are already doing stuff as an athletic director that would make a fantastic project. Maybe it's with kids or coaches or, or your community facilities. And if you like to write things out, you still have that option. I know I really enjoyed writing mine out. It took some time, but uh, it was fun. But I can also tell you, if the oral option had been there, I would have been all over that because, uh, like Jamie, I love to talk. Yeah. Um, real quickly, um, what's happening right now in Park City and in Utah with regards to reopening schools and return to play? Uh, we're recording this on uh, the middle of September, so by the time it airs, things may have changed. But just real quick, what's happening right now with regards to COVID in Utah? I think things are guaranteed to change even tomorrow. Um, we, Utah, we were one of the fortunate states that we did not make any changes to the calendar, to the sports seasons. Um, the only changes we really made were for the COVID protocols. Um, I know, I mean, there's some states out there, I don't know how the ADs are doing it, but they're not starting until the beginning of next year. And I mean, we, we didn't change anything. We just got things started. Um, We've been fortunate. I mean, part of it is geography of our state. Part of it is population, um, obviously. But we've been able to make it work. It's been good so far. Um, and, you know, as we go through the COVID, I know there's some people in different parts of the country and, and different government structures that, you know, they've got their own, I don't want to say agendas, but they've got their own ways they're, they're, they're getting this stuff taken care of. But um, we've really dealt, we, we just deal with it when it comes up. And I know there's a lot of parents out there, um, even the kids and community members that they, they want answers. They're like, well, what are you doing about this? And it's like, I don't know. I'll tell you tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'll tell you about what we're doing the next day, or I'll have the answers the day after because everybody just got so used to in our culture of, of having all that stuff. And, and just, we, we just hadn't had an experience, whether it was COVID or anything else to where, look, the answers aren't going to be right there and we can't plan. I'm not going to waste, you know, back in, in March and April, once we got shut down, I was like, everybody was worried about this contingency and this contingency. I'm not putting 20 plans together, people, because I've, I've just wasted mental energy and I've wasted time on stuff that isn't going to matter. I'm going to wait and see what the higher ups tell us as to, okay, here's where we're at. Then I'll plan. Then I'll put stuff together because it just wasn't worth throwing all that time and effort. And I watched people when they just ran themselves ragged trying to figure out what was going to happen. And I was like, we don't know, just relax. 
do the things we're supposed to be doing, let it play out. So in Utah right now, I mean, we're full go with fall sports. The plans are full go for um, winter and spring. We've made modifications depending on local, meaning county health departments um, regarding spectators, um, anything else. I mean, we've got mask orders at every event, um, social distancing when possible. So we put all the protocols in place. And then, of course, you know, we've had, I think, three total football games that have been canceled um, out of precaution because of either a COVID case or exposure. We've had a few volleyball. I know not, not us in particular, but in, in the state. Um, a couple of schools that have had, you know, some exposures that, that have shut down some games to try to be rescheduled. Um, we've had an opponent that has done that with us that we're like, yeah, we get it. Um, when a case has popped up in the school, it's immediate, you know, the biggest thing for us has been to jump on it right away and to get it across to the student athletes and the parents, you know, too many of them wanted to decided that if, well, if our, if my kid potentially has COVID, we're not going to get tested because we don't want, we, we don't want it to shut the team down. And we were pretty good on that messaging of, no, that will shut the team down if you don't, because it will wind up getting infected. Whereas if you can identify it right away and get that person out and quarantine and test it if need be and find out, okay, negative test, hey, no big deal. The kid had food poisoning. The kid had, you know, sun exposure or something that, you know, the symptoms showed up, but it wasn't actually the virus. Or if it is the virus, getting them removed quickly and figuring out that exposure, you don't have to shut teams down. You're just shutting a couple individuals down for a little bit of time. The team survives, and then those individuals come back. And I think that has been the hardest um, part about getting that messaging out to say, look, take care of each other. This is how you be a team player. By taking yourself out is how you be a team player, not by sucking it up and trying to go through it, because then you'll just, you'll, you will shut us down that way. Um, and as a state, we've done a pretty good job. I mean, we can always do better. My biggest concern right now is that COVID fatigue, that everybody's like, oh, we're in a great shape. Our numbers are down or we're not seeing cases. And then they start getting lax and um, essentially letting their guard down. And then we wind up with a little bit of a spike and it does shut us down. So, you know, we got to stay diligent on it. But uh, so far, so good. Um, I'm anxious to see everybody else get back to it because I know what it has done for the mental health of our kids. It is such... I mean, to see them come in, to see them smiling, they verbalized how grateful they are to be back to being organized with an adult, you know, running practices, to be back with their friends. You know, I, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't go by a kid and say, hey, don't forget to put your mask up. You know, that's, that's just the way life is right now, which is fine, um, you know, to make sure that they have a season. And we've been big on that messaging. Hey, continue to wear your masks so our kids can continue to wear their uniforms, you know, that type of thing. You know, everybody's come up with those kinds of slogans now. Um, and, and then, of course, you know, we're talking about COVID, but we've got a lot of other things going on right now, whether it's social unrest going on or whether it's, you know, environmental impacts like hurricanes or fires. We, there's a lot going on for us as educators right now and, and dealing with all of it. It's, it's, it's an interesting world we're in today. Well, uh, I'm glad that you guys are back in school and I'm glad that things are going, uh, going well for you, you know, continued success in that. Well, Jamie, this has just been great, uh, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you're certainly an experienced athletic director, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. 
what three items are going to go in Jamie Sheets's athletic director toolbox? So the first thing is the letter of resignation that goes in the first day. So no, I'm just kidding. Um, tell them not to take the job in the first place, right? And hopefully they know what they're getting into. Um, I'm joking because I, I do. I love this job. Uh, so I, you know what? I, I had to think about this question because we talked a little bit about beforehand. I mean, I would throw normally throw things out there, but I wanted to think to say, okay, if I did, um, I'll get a little bit deeper than just um, just a tool. But I think definitely, um, as a new AD, the the things that I'm telling somebody to do or giving is like number one, you got to build trust. Trust is our currency um, as athletic administrators, whether it's with coaches whether it's with student athletes, whether it's with staff and faculty. Um, people have to trust you. Um, if they don't, you just, the relationship never goes anywhere and you'll never, you'll, you'll never be able to have anything productive. So definitely um, building trust. Uh, two is being present, um, showing up every day. Uh, there's people that will recognize that what you do as an AD. There's some that don't think that you just go to games, but be present so that the kids see you. Um, the kids, you know, let them learn your name by showing up, being present, try to beat as many things as you can. Um, I, I try to beat as many games as I can. We can't beat all of them, obviously. Um, but as many as we can go to, uh, be present for your coaches, be present for your kids, be present for anybody that needs you. And the third one, um, I got kind of a fourth, but the third one's going to be connect, um, con connect with everybody that you're in charge of or part of, um, Connect with your coaches. Don't just communicate with them. Connect with your kids. Don't just communicate with them. Um, connect with your staff and faculty. Invest in them a little bit. Make those connections because that's what we're doing is all about. We're not coaching sports. We're coaching people. Um, we're coaching future adults. And we've got to remember as the adults that that's a kid, you know, when we're, when we're talking to our coaches. And I would say the same thing for an AD. Um, that's a kid, not a basketball player. You know, and I did not even an athlete. That's a kid. That's a person that that we're just using that vehicle of sport, athletics or activities to, to help them learn and develop and grow. And then the last thing, which is probably the most important, um, take care of yourself. Make time for yourself, whether it's mental, physical, social, emotional. This job can consume you 24 seven if you let it. Sometimes you got to learn just to say no. Certain things will still be there tomorrow that didn't need to get done today, even though certain people thought they needed to get done today. Um, you need to take care of yourself because if you don't, you can't take care of everybody else. Um, you know, so those are the, those are the main things I would say into that toolbox to to help a new AD be successful, no matter what background they're coming from. Because I know some people come from some non-athletic backgrounds when they get into this uh, profession. And I will say this, Jake, it is a profession. Athletic administration is a profession. That's different than a job. And, and a lot of people think this is just a job. It's not. Um, it is truly a profession with growth, professional development opportunities, certification. Um, we are in a profession. think I got you on mute here. There you go. I am a professional. Um, <laughs> so trust, be present, stay connected. And then the fourth one is uh, take care of yourself. Okay. Great advice, my friend. 
Jamie, thanks so much for being on the podcast thank, today. Thank you, Jake. It was a pleasure. Um, wishing everybody the best. And anytime anybody needs to contact me, they can find me at Park City High School. I'm always willing to help anybody out with anything they need. Okay. Well, as I said, continued success this fall, uh, not just with Park City, but with all your activities with uh, UIAAA and the NIAAA. To our listeners, thanks as always for tuning in. Come back again next time for another edition of the Educational AD. Thanks again for listening to the Educational AD podcast. Remember, these are also uploaded to YouTube on the Educational AD FIAAA YouTube channel, where you can watch and listen to the Zoom videos. Thanks again.